Welcome to episode 14 of After the Ninth. I'm Cass Patterson, and this week I'm without Dayton Sutherland. Uh, we told you guys that there might be some episodes where Dayton won't be with me, and this just happens to be one of those episodes. However, I'm really excited about this one because anyone who knows me knows that I tend to geek out sometimes, and I'll focus on a really small portion of a bigger picture. And today, that small portion of the bigger picture is feed. Feed is extremely important in this sport, or at least from my perspective, it is. And if you go back to our interview with Kurt Benzmiller, Dayton asked him what kind of super fuel or rocket fuel Kurt feeds his horses. And there was this big conversation about feed and oats and, you know, the importance of a good feed to give the horses. So, I always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Fast forward to last year, where through social media, I kind of connected with Kirsten Smith from Hoffman's Horse Products. And so she was someone who I thought, you know, this could be a really interesting topic. So I reached out to her a little while ago and asked her, would you be willing to do an interview with me? Uh, Would you be willing to come on and talk about the importance of feed and kind of what goes into a good feed program and just kind of give our listeners a well-rounded view of what that looks like? And she was beyond excited to do so. So that is what this interview is. So without further ado, I'm going to just kind of throw it over to my interview. And here is my geeking out about feed. And we are on the line with Kirsten Smith. How are you doing today, Kirsten? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm actually super excited about this interview. Like (laughs) it's been on my bucket list, which probably seems weird, but... I'm excited to talk more about feed and kind of how it affects the horses and what goes into it because nutrition, especially for any equine athlete, is a big part of the program. You can train them as much as you want, but if you're not feeding them properly, it's like a human, they're going to get really tired. Absolutely. So before we get into like kind of the nitty gritty about it, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So you have a bachelor's of management and you majored in marketing. So how did that eventually lead into your role at Hoffman's? Yeah. So to start off with Hoffman's horse products, Lauren and Marion Hoffman are my grandparents. So I have been a part of Hoffman's from like ever. (laughs) And I always had that influence, that nutrition influence. And I kind of always knew though I didn't necessarily like the science side of things. I didn't necessarily want to be a nutritionist. And so I actually started going to school and I initially started going to school to be a social worker. And I changed my mind and I really loved the management marketing side of it. Really passionate about the sales and the promotion of the product. And along with that came obviously a ton of equine nutrition knowledge. So I always kind of had a part in the company, obviously. And then right around the time that I was graduating university, my grandparents um, were wanting to retire. And so the company that makes Hoffman's acquired Hoffman's Horse Products, which is Country Junction Feeds. And that is who I work for. So Hoffman's isn't the only thing that I sell, but it is definitely my specialty and means a ton to still have my role in promoting and spreading the good word of Hoffman's to Canada and beyond. It's not project, but it's that piece that has a very special part to your heart. 
Absolutely, yes. It means a lot. It's really fun to go back and give the updates to grandma and grandpa. And so like the horse that's on all of our bags, that's Zan, Skip Zan Parr. He was one of my grandparents' studs. And actually when they dispersed studs in the sale, I was the one that rode him in the sale when he sold. So every bag is a little piece of our legacy. <laughs> that is so cool. And now I know the horse's name that I'm lifting yep. that bag. That's Zan, yeah. So growing up, obviously horses were a really big part of you and your childhood. So let's talk a little bit about that. What part did horses play in your life? So I grew up and still live in proximity proximity to my family's cow-calf ranch. So we do a large portion of our operation is ran on our horses, but that's kind of the, that's what I play now. But growing up, I showed horses a lot, um, being Marion and Lauren Hoffman's granddaughter, you showed a lot of horses and we showed horses a lot. I barrel raced for a little bit as well. And just always had horses around. We've always had lots of horses around and good horses too, which I appreciate. And so now um, when I went to university, I just kind of ended up getting away from the competition side of it and really just fell in love with my ranch horses and that aspect. And, and now in my job, now I focus so much on how important nutrition is for that ranch horse, which um, plays again, a special part for me because those are, those are my guys now, but horses have literally been like, played like a number one role in, in pre horses and red and white cows. <laughs> I can owe a lot to horses and red and white cows. So you have a cool story about the wagons and I will dive into that here in a little bit, but I always like to ask people who aren't like directly related to the wagons. What mm -hmm. is your first memories of watching Chuck wagons and kind of seeing the wagons? Okay. If I reach, I will start out. I am a huge wagon fan, like a giant wagon fan. And if I reach like way back, my memory is watching Calgary on TV, but I will say that like my actual, like, wow, I really love this sport is when Half Mile of Hell was on TV and I could watch that. And that is probably really what spurred it. I was, oh goodness, I was probably like 11, 12 then. And yeah, I just, I don't know, I really got it, just really started to enjoy it. And I mean, I've always, and since before then and since then, I have loved thoroughbreds. We don't have thoroughbreds. We run quarter horses and thoroughbreds are like this beautiful other thing that I never got to have that I strongly, strongly and fiercely admire. <laughs> and so that's probably like watching Half Mile of Hell, got really into it then. And then I remember when Luke Turnier won Calgary, I can't even remember how old I was, but I remember standing at the stage and <laughs> All of these things, those, those are probably some of my first ones. I mean, we still always never miss High River or Strathmore. And I always make sure I get to Calgary and Pinoca. And yeah, so I have a lot of Chuck Wigan memories. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I want to dive into a little bit. You actually got to kind of, I guess, really play with that love at Thoroughbreds when your 4-H group got to be a part of the WPCA mentorship program. And you got to spend a show with Grant Prophet and Lane McGilvery. Yes. So, oh, I would have been about like grade eight, I believe. 
And yeah, I've always been in 4-H. I actually usually wasn't in horse 4-H. I was in beef 4-H until I got a little bit older and was riding younger horses. I used it as an opportunity to season them. So I was always in beef 4-H, but yeah, there was this, there was the WPCA 4-H mentorship program and you applied and I had to like write an essay and stuff to apply as well. I guess show I was that big of a wagon fan <laughs> and I got accepted and I spent um, one show in Lethbridge actually, because Lethbridge was the closest show to me with Grant Profit. And that was great. Um, I got to ride out riding horses to the track, take out riding horses to the track. And I just, the every day, and I, there was a lot of things I really fiercely admired about how they, what they know about their horses. And yeah, so a lot of things that I really took away from that. And I went and did it the next year. And that time we were in Strathmore and I did it with Lane McGilvery and just really enjoyed it. We uh, actually just had Alyssa on McDonald who has been a part of the McGilvery barn. And it, I, it'd be interesting to hear your, uh, your memories of being a part of that barn because it's just such a close knit team. Yes, exactly. Well, and not like through that team and the teams that are close with them too. Like I had nicknames and I was there for a week. <laughs> it was really fun. And like, I kind of just love that atmosphere, like just the horses and the, and the routine and the before race time, I it's just that energy. And I mean, like the sound of like a wagon is like, give me chills. And it still does. And a lot of that comes from that experience and just yeah, really just salt of the earth people would give me every opportunity that to, to help out in any way I could. I really just became a part of the team for a week. And I mean, again, that was like by that time I was maybe in grade nine. So that was, that's quite a few years ago. And I still remember it like anything. So I think that shows the kind of uh, experience I was and the kind of people they were to such a positive memory. still this many years later. I love hearing that. That's so cool question for you did you offer to help out a little more with the feed side because that was the side that you understood I don't I don't think I really had an option I was gonna be helping out <laughs> I did find it really interesting though and they were feeding things that I hadn't seen before and so I just had questions about the products and because of course there's a lot of different supplements outside of because at that time Hoffman's had one or two products so there it's not like we could feed every class of horse at that time so there was other things that I've I've always well what is this what do you use this for what is this for what does this help with so and they were able to answer my questions which I appreciate that they knew they know what's going into those horses it's not just because someone told them to <laughs> no there there is a method to the madness and <laughs> there definitely is I kind of want to leap right into that because if you listen to the podcast, Dayton and I talk about, uh, mostly Dayton than me, but we talk about kind of the age range of a check wagon horse. And it's kind of interesting to learn more about the feed side of things. So what what is something that you find is really important when it comes to feeding an equine athlete, especially an equine athlete that's maybe not that track age of, you know, two to four or five years old so the one thing that you really hit on that I think is an important point is when you're feeding your horse right and we'll get to what I think that is when you're feeding your horse right like you can have a horse that can keep good body condition and look good just on just on average grass but it's what you're doing for them internally that causes that longevity and their ability to perform at their best for many, many years. 
And that's something that it's like when you talk about the cost of it, and I mean, we'll get to that, but when you talk about the cost of it, it seems oh, well, that horse is doing fine. They don't need anything extra. But when you give them that little bit extra, they're going to be able to do their job for you for so many years longer. And when you're not having to buy new horses and train new horses, that's a big, that's really cost-effective for you as well. So I always start first and foremost is good hay. There would, if perfect hay existed, there would be no need for Hoffman's horse products or Hoffman's horse mineral. So the first and foremost is good hay. And I will preach to the end to get your hay tested. It is not that expensive to do that nice green looking hay. I just did a test the other day that I thought that hay looked great. And on paper, it looked a few steps above straw. So it's really important to get your hay tested and know what's in it. And then from there, what are you testing for when you test your hay? So when you get your hay tested, it depends on the lab that does it, but you're going to see your proteins, your energy levels, the sugar levels, and you're going to get mineral levels in there as well. So you could have a hay that's really low protein, but the, maybe the energy is not too bad. And then based off of what you're supplementing to them, whether that be a mineral or a complete feed, you can really know what you need based off of what that sample is. So this is actually huge also in the cattle industry. I know I'm jumping a little bit, but with beef feeds, like personally, like we have our beef cattle, we test absolutely everything. And we've had some things that have ended up like green feed that we would think stereotypically should be lesser quality, but it's actually higher quality we're able to feed it longer and at certain periods and save our good hay, which is going to be cost effective for us. So I really always preach to get your hay tested and it's really not that expensive. And I know if you're going through different types of hay, I do understand the logistics of it, but in the end, it's not that difficult to, and then, you know, and then you have that information and you can work from there. So I always start first with good quality hay. And really from there, then we can build from there. So uh, then my next step would be vitamins and minerals, supplying them because just like with humans, vitamins and minerals play its role in essentially all of our functions. So like sight, it goes all the way through, right? So that's a good base to start. It's going to help the horse from the inside out. Then you're going to alleviate a lot of costs too when they're vitamins and minerals are up. Like I say, not every horse needs to be on a ration, but every single horse needs to be on a good mineral. And I mean, there's different variables of that depending on the horse's job, but every horse should be on a good mineral because you're just going to alleviate a lot of costs. Your hoof, hoof health, immune system health, digestion, coat, the list is really long of the ways that um, a good mineral is going to supplement. And then from there, next up is your complete feeds and where to add that in. So this is your Hoffman's Elite ration, for example, is um, popular among uh, racehorses and thoroughbreds. So a complete feed is it's got the whole balanced nutrition. So it's going to have your proteins, fibers, fats, vitamins, and minerals at a balanced level, amino acids. Some of them are going to have your electrolytes balanced as well. And that is going to play really kind of a part in like building body condition and that's your energy helps with your energy levels as well which is very important for a thoroughbred a horse a racehorse because they have to have that energy around all four corners and you can see horses that maybe aren't 
as fed as well as others, you're going to see them really die off on that third corner, right? Compared to others that when they're fed really well, the benefits go beyond just the race to how long they live, et cetera. I, I could talk forever about that. <laughs> There's a lot of different variables and different combinations and to, to make it work best for your horse and for your program. But that is kind of like where I would start. Like, I don't want to say level of importance, but where I'd start with. Well, it's interesting you talk about, you know, getting to know your horse and the program, because I know there's younger horses that are coming off the track and are coming onto the wagons that are like four, five, six, seven years old, and they have a lot of energy and they're ready to go and they're rearing. But then you have those older horses that are getting up into that 13, 14, 15 kind of year range, and they need maybe that extra boost. So sometimes I know in the barns that I've helped out in, those younger horses aren't maybe getting the hot food. They're getting, they're maybe not getting that complete mix that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. but the older horses are. So it's a really interesting kind of balance. Yeah. And in those situations, like if you have um, a horse that like generally keeps body condition pretty good, has that good energy level that you want, that's where you can still focus on like your vitamins and minerals. Those things are still always going to be needed for that horse. And yeah, there is different types of, there's different types of energy um, sources in horse feed as well. So your oats are going to be a very, uh, it's the carb-based energy. So it's essentially like that. It's, you got your, your sugar high and where fat, which is what we use in Hoffman's is a very long, slow, cool burn. So that's why we say it gives a horse cool energy. I mean, it doesn't replace, it doesn't substitute personality, (laughs) but if you have a horse that generally can get pretty hot, but needs that energy, that's where a fat-based energy source could be helpful in those situations. I want to talk a little bit about price because a big thing with wagons right now is, you know, it's It's not a cheap sport. sport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, as Dayton said, there's a lot of money in the sport to be spent, not to be made. (laughs) So Yes, you know a lot of equine industry sports. Actually, <laughs> I don't know why we do this. <laughs> because we love the horses. I was gonna say I don't know why, and I'm like, no, I know exactly why. <laughs> but the price of feed, specifically hay, has gone up. It it keeps going up along with everything else, mm-hmm. and for guys like the truck wagon drivers, they have thirty head of horse. Like it's. It's not a cheap thing to do. And a lot of these guys also are on a, an oat program where it's like self-feeding oats. So they have plenty of oats. So the horses constantly have that as well. So they have both. How, like, how is the price kind of something that we deal with when it comes to feeding the animals? I'll, I'll explain right now some reasonings of why prices are ridiculous right now and that'll kind of help explain a few of the different a few there's so many different variables that can affect price so oats for example um grains kind of your corn oats barley etc right now they're really high because of a bad crop year so 
there was a previously really poor crop year, especially like if we're talking to Alberta in like our southeast corner and our northeast corner. And that is really affecting us now. So that is a big part of it. And guys just had rather they're sitting on oats or to fill contracts from the years before, they have absolutely nothing left and there's nothing to pick up. And the prices are crazy. (laughs) They are absolutely crazy right now. But that, though, when it comes to grains, a lot of the reasoning for the price increase really just is availability right now and just having that bad crop year. So I like talking to our procurement manager this morning. So she's who gets our ingredients for our feeds. And I, like I said, we don't put grains and stuff in Hoffman's, but we make every species of feed. So we have to deal with all the different types of ingredients. So really at this point, we probably, we do see oats coming down a little bit right now, to be honest. And I mean, I say that today, if if someone listens to this in a couple of weeks, that could be wrong now. They are coming back down a little bit, but it's unlikely that that's going to last because we really just have to see what's going to happen with the crop. And then once we have that, fingers crossed, and that's what we can hope for is a good crop here. And we can see where we're at there. Also, they're kind of expecting to, like when there's kind of that gap in between old crop to new crop, and this happens most years, is there is usually a bit of a price increase just with there not being much left over and we don't have any new stuff yet. And that usually will have a bit of a price increase. They're expecting that to be tougher this year, worse this year. So that is something else, but I'm not even done (laughs) because when it comes to your byproducts, so this is where it really affects Hoffman's, um, certain byproduct ingredients like soy hulls, mill run, malt sprouts, beet pulp, that's a uh, one that's being affected right now. A lot of it is freight issues and shipping issues. So a lot of those byproducts are brought to us by rail. And this gets, this is wild, but the, we have a ton, a ton, a ton of corn coming up from the U.S., like multiple times the amount of corn coming up. And a lot of these rail car, like those elevator systems and the rail systems aren't set up for this influx. So for example, we just, she told me that we just got two loads of soybean hauls last night, finally, that had been sitting on rail cars since February. They just, it's so jammed up to be able to unload them. So that is affecting price because it's affecting availability. We just cannot, we, we can buy it, but actually getting it is the tough part. And man, when it comes to freight as well. I mean, I tried to fill up my truck today and I didn't get very far on $60. So just that is affecting it big time as well. And both the cost of it, as well as trying to find trucks, like the availability of it. I just listed so many different reasons and all of these very directly affect the price of what you have to buy to feed your horse. And oats is like a single commodity, but when it comes to something like Hoffman's, which has multiple ingredients to to get those protein sources and the fiber sources, et cetera. I mean, we had a big price jump because we couldn't get flax or sorry, that flax went up really high. I I can't remember the exact reason. It was probably a, I believe it's kind of a transport issue, but 
flax went really high and then flax kind of came back down a little bit but then rice bran went really high and then it's just you just never know she said that she talked to guys that have been in the business for 30 years and they don't know what's going to happen it is very weird right now (laughs) so some of those issues that you just said like you know a bad crop year and freight and all that is that also part of why we are seeing hay go up well hay would be a crop year thing too I know we put up our own hay wasn't good last year and that is the case of pretty much everywhere in the province central Alberta kind of had the best and it still wasn't good and that's a lot of people trying to feed their horses so and I mean also in like we're talking about it's tough to compare like inflation also is a thing as well so you can't really compare what you paid for a price of mineral today versus what you used to pay 20 years ago which happens to us a lot actually <laughs> people say it's getting so expensive I'm like it's right in line with the market unfortunately You're like you remember how much you paid for gas 20 years ago right like mm-hmm. yeah so that also does play a part into it but right now why it's just going so volatile so quickly it's so like there's so many different reasons and hay is going to play a part in that too Maybe you think like your equipment right now is more expensive. Trying to get parts is more expensive. It's, and it's all kind of been affected. And to be honest, I find it wild when it comes to feed and ingredients that it's not just the same things like affecting it. Also, I miss this, but this war is not going to be good for uh, or wheat prices, wheat and corn, um, both Russia and Ukraine are top five in the world exporters of those goods. So that is going to, we don't know how that, well, we know it's going to affect it, but we really don't know to what extent. So just all of the variables are so, there's so many, yeah, it's hard to even, to really wrap it all up, but there's, and I will just promise you, we are not making more money. <laughs> You know, it's interesting to learn all this. And I really, I, I'm really grateful that you were willing to sit down and talk to me about this and kind of, you know, dive into um, the importance of a good diet and the importance of what goes into your horse and what's going on in the world and what's going on with prices. Because I think there are things that sometimes we plays over or we just don't talk about because we don't have the answers. So it's really exciting to have someone like you on who has more answers than I do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I mean, we, we want someone to blame, right? We want someone or something to blame. And it's, we don't really have that. Like, it's just, we can't help that it didn't rain last year. Like, it's really tough. So, um, I mean, really, we can just fingers crossed that we have a good year this year. And I mean, compared the drought we had last year, like really, it usually takes a couple of years to really um, come back from that. But I mean, we with a good year this year, we can at least start and hope to see some of these things come back down. There are certain ingredients too, honestly, that have just kind of priced themselves out. Um, peas are an example. Uh, barley is one that's really high, but can't quite see. I know she, I asked her, I was like, why barley? Again, I'm talking about our procurement manager and she's like, I'm not really sure. Like it's, it is a weird one. Like it's just really high. That's why beer's so high. Good to know. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was wondering for the spike in beer prices. There you go. Yeah, exactly. 
moving forward, you said that you don't usually miss High River. You try to go to High River, Strathmore, and Pinoca. Mm-hmm. So maybe this summer we will see each other, which would be very exciting. Yes, absolutely. Because I'd love to meet in person. But I'm we- so excited to get watching some wagons again. <laughs> I guess I did see some last year, but it just never feels like enough. <laughs> Where did you go? I went to High River, Strathmore, High River and Strathmore for my shows last year. Yeah. No, it is never enough. Even if you are there for 44 days, you're ready for, (laughs) you're like, no, I want more. You're like, no, don't stop this. Come on, let's keep going. Yeah, exactly. Just one more. How do you, something I kind of want to go back to before I ask my next question. How do you implement feed? So when it comes to like a complete feed or the minerals, do you want to slowly increase how much you give or do you want to like slowly implement it into what you're doing? Like, how does that kind of work? So in general, it is a good idea to slowly add in feed, slowly mix it off. Or so like if you're completely switching a feed, yeah, slowly mixing one one off with the other for about a 10 day period. There are certain um, types of feed that that's more important than others. Um, some are just can affect the system differently. So if you're switching, uh, like Hoffman's, for example, is quite a safe feed. We don't add any of the starches that can upset the hindgut. So in general, it's quite a safe feed to switch to, and that's not quite as important. But if you are switching to like a really high grain diet, it is a good idea to do that slowly because you don't want to upset the digestion process in the hindgut, which can cause colic, laminitis. There's unfortunate results from that. So in general, yes, it is a good idea. I, I mean, like I said, there's some that it's, it's not quite as pertinent as others, but it's just always a good idea. And it's not hard for us to do, so let's just do it a little slowly. It'll just be easier on your horse. And also they don't love when you take away what they've been used to and throw in something new. Some horses are fine with that and some are not. So I mean, throw in a little bit of molasses. Most horses like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I say. We do have one textured ration. I'm like, you can use that. You can use that to uh, get them to like it for a little bit. That was the one thing last year mixing feed. Uh, I, I, I got a really nice orange tan and it wasn't from self tanner. It was because I had enough molasses on my arms that I'm yeah. pretty sure most <laughs> horses could have just licked me like a lollipop yeah. and they would have been happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So moving forward, kind of, um, I guess going back to what you do, what are some of your goals, uh, when it comes to, you know, nutrition for horses and, you know, getting, uh, this information out there and helping horse owners? Yeah. So I, like I said, I, I, we have a great nutritionist. I went to the marketing side of it and I am super passionate about that. So what I really want to do is, and I mean, I like goals as a company, I've got wild goals, but I mean, that's not my money. So, (laughs) but personally, I really do just for one, I really want to get it a stronger foothold into other provinces. So we are all the way across Canada and have a really diverse dealer network, but we can do better. So I really, for myself, um, I'm a traveling saleswoman as well as doing lots of the marketing. And so that's something that I really want to focus on is just get Hoffman's through as many stores as we can, make it as available as possible. And I really do, um, and this has been for a few years now, honestly, really enjoy and talking to different industries that have had very set in their ways 
feed programs and the thoroughbred industry, the horse race industry, the wagon industry is one of those. So one of my best customers is Highfield Stock Farm at Alderside. They breed some of the world's best uh, thoroughbreds, Alberta bred thoroughbreds, and we do the feed program for them. And the results that they've been seeing um, are fantastic. And so it means a lot to be trusted with those types of feed programs. And I really do just have a big passion to when someone comes to me, Hey, what do I feed my horses? And I've had wagon drivers come to me and I honestly put together like two, three different programs based off price point <laughs> to, to give them these options. Cause I do believe so much that in giving those horses that little bit extra to get the most out of them and just help them perform their best and last as long as possible. So Oh, yeah, I have a lot. I would be spreading the word of Hoffman's as good as possible. And yeah, continuing to uh, just amp up as much as I can. I love working with these people individually and really seeing these, these equine programs thrive and see where they're able to go. I'm so excited that I got you on. Like, I can't even tell you how happy I am with this. It makes me excited to, it's, I don't talk to a lot of people that are excited for me to talk nutrition, so... <laughs> it's just so interesting and I it just shows how much care that our wagon drivers put into their horses because you know what I the people in the barn do not eat until the horses eat yes. so if the horses you know are deciding no we want to play a little bit extra out in the grass then we're not eating for another 20 minutes because they don't want to come in so it's just it's a really it's a really important thing to me. And I think getting your story about nutrition out is. Well, and I think that's part of why I'm so passionate about it is I am a horse person too. So when I, like when we come out with a new product, for example, we've expanded the Hoffman's line a few times. We test it on our own horses first and make sure that it's working as good as possible. It's palatable. They want to eat it. We're seeing results before it ever gets to you guys. And that same comes is plays a part in our quality control and the high quality feed that we need to be putting out to you guys because we're feeding it to our horses too. So, and this is also why I get so excited when I see these Hoffman's horses doing such awesome things is because I just like, just being able to play that part in that horse's, that horse's success. And and the the program success it's just really exciting it's and I love before and afters and I especially love going to the track and seeing that Hoffman's horse just have that extra burst of energy at the end I'm like yes that's Hoffman's right there (laughs) and I just I love seeing those things so it's and I know that and it's just such a uh, breath of fresh air to discuss with owners and Uh, different wagon drivers too as well that want to better their program and just because they to help their horses as much as thrive as much as possible and it's really admirable and I appreciate every conversation I can have with them and I love it myself so is there a specific wagon driver that you know you worked with and now you've seen their program and their team just really take off um well I've talked to a lot and 
I wouldn't say that I've had like a actual like a hundred percent like kind of like I do with Highfield where I'm like have my hand and like well me and my nutritionist have our hand in like every step but there's quite a few that I've discussed with and I have I know they're on Hoffman's um, from recommendations I've made and have seen them done really well so I that means a lot and I, yeah I get so excited and I'm I love when I'll even look like because I follow lots of wagon drivers on social media and like pictures in the barns so I'm like there's a bag of Hoffman's <laughs> like I got a new one to really cheer for <laughs> I'm sure if you come walk through the barns you'll see a few bags of Hoffman's yes yeah I appreciate it's it's seeing it out in the wild is my favorite <laughs> Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Kirsten. I'm so excited. Thank you again, Kirsten, for, you know, sitting down with me and chatting about all things feed and about how much you love the chuck wagons and the experience that you had uh, getting to spend time in the barns. So thank you so much for that. Taking a look outside of this conversation, last week I went to Lloyd for the North American Chuckwagon Championship tarp sale. The grand total of last week's tarp sale was $963,000. While I was there, I chatted with WPCA permit driver Ray Crotto Jr. I also chatted with the chair of the North American Chuckwagon Championship, BJ Carey. Those both were on video, so keep an eye out for that video to come out in the next week or so. Also did an interview with the manager of Lloyd Exhibition. So that is going to be a really interesting kind of podcast to put out there. It will go out on Women of the Wagons, and I'm really excited to share that one as well. We are coming up to April 1st. Actually, April 1st is tomorrow. And if you look on social media, a lot of guys have actually started spring training, but a lot have kind of put out there that April 1st is that date that they were hoping to start spring training. So spring is here. It is nice. It is warm in Calgary. Knock on wood, there is no snow on the ground. However, it is Calgary. So, you know, wait five minutes and that could change. <laughs> but for now, it's seeming to warm up and things are looking really exciting. There is four more tarp sales to come up. You have Calgary on the 12th of April. Then you have the Circle the Wagons Gala with the GP Stompede. And that is this big gala plus it is also a tarp sale so that is an exciting one you also have at the same time that's april 14th at the same time in saskatchewan for the canadian professional chuck wagon association they have their lloyd finals tarp sale that day so there are two different tarp sales going on on the 14th one for the wpca one for the cpca and then finally there's also the pinocchio tarp sale i'm not 100 percent sure when that one is going to be but that one is also supposed to be coming up here so four more tarp sales to get underway and yeah more content to come so that's it for me today hopefully next time we can get dayton on with me and we'll see you next time He's got that wagon in full flight. Here's the wire! But that's a day in the country.